Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and gamers of all ages, it is us, the Blood Force Gamers, coming to you for a shadow of the Spice Needle. I've already screwed up my accent, but that's alright. We're doing a silly show today, kind of sort of. We all got a strange, silly voice we're doing, and we're going to do this entire episode in a weird voice. And today's topic is gatekeeping versus preservation in your game. Uh, Colonel, I have a feeling this gag is going to get old really quick for our listeners. Oh, it's going to get really old. That's why we've got to say some clever things. When I think this is bullshit, why am I always a German? Hey. You are the one who seems to keep and pick up that accent, but it fluctuates as it always will. I guarantee. A dollar. I'll put a dollar on the table. Then he switches to Russian by the end of the podcast. And I think this is bullshit on that point. I will not switch to be a damn Russian. <laughs> if all of you can manage to stay in your accents and not wander by the end of the episode, I'll be impressed. Huh, good deal. Anyway, we're going to do the intro now. And you're already slipping, mate. I decided to change. Ah, shit. It's a bit easier for me to maintain. Alright, well, you better hurry up and figure out which one you're using. Because, uh, intro's coming up. Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. <laughs> and we're back. Alright, so our topic is gatekeeping versus preservation. Which is really easy. Because I like to preserve my culture. Unfortunately, everybody else seems to think that depopulation of half of Ireland is a good and grand idea, which really pisses me off. And you lie me fucking British out there. Well, I guess what? You can suck on me shillelagh and gargle me blarney stones. That's right. And I think that when we go through with the fandoms and the things we like, it is much easier for us to do the preservation by maintaining the holes and values that we enjoy. Oh, we do have a lot of values in our gaming, you know, and you guys know, you've all been in my games before, that I am a really picky motherfucker when it comes to my games. I like to have a certain crowd at my table that brings something to the table that makes the game more enjoyable for everybody all around. And if I'm deciding to be a gatekeeper and be like, oh, I'll let this chap in, they look like a solid bloke. Because, well, they bring something to the table that, well, isn't related to the game. It's bullshit. That's what I say. Well, on that point, we do have to be very picky about who we choose to game with on a regular basis, but we must be willing to let in the new people. Every time we enter a game shop and advertise that we want to do a game, play magic, do the, the Dungeons and Dragons, we need to be ready in order to train someone who is new. I was once the FNG. Monica was once the FNG. And of course, as we do this, we try to impart some of these values and good habits that we have. And I think that is a way that we have come together as a group. Well, what I'm saying though, though is like the gatekeeper they're telling us to do nowadays, and I think it's utter shite, is that you gotta have somebody come to your table and sit down and you gotta be respectful of them, even if you don't know them, even if they don't respect you. And then they say, well, the people sitting around your table, you gotta respect them too. Like they are actually sitting at your table. And I think this is at our, just, well, you know what I have to say about it. 
It's fucking crazy, man. It is, especially when you bring in someone and you think they will be fun to play with. And then they begin with political shit or the, um, how, how you say? Bringing in their own damn ideas that don't even work. And yeah, and you can obviously tell that it is a play for power. And when they do this, they wish to become the new alpha, if you will, in the group. And when we have this problem, it can shatter entire gaming groups because some will gravitate to the new person because they are tired of the status quo. That is why I feel we have a good group dynamic because we are one of those autonomous collectives. And we have elected the Game Goblin as our Führer. And <laughs> I, as Darth Blasphemies, do not try to play the part of, oh, well, he's my roommate, I'm always number two. No. I understand that I am not always number two. I understand that Monica will be running game. I understand that Kaz will be running game. And I understand that I'm not always the one responsible for many things. I like to share them around. But I, I do not care if so. Uh, uh, <laughs> you got me. Uh, <laughs> look, I do not care if somebody comes to me table and they're black or black Irish. Don't matter to me. But if that's the only identifier that they come to my table with and they say, oh, well, you got a table full of white chaps here. They're all a bunch of potato divers. I'm not going to let them in at my table if they come in with an insult saying that I need to have a token black person or that I need to be more diverse. I'm going to let them in because they bring something to the table. If a guy walks up to the table and says, Hey, I used to be in the military as a, you know, a nuclear. Physicist. A physicist. Physicist. Engineer. Engineer. Perhaps. It depends on... Ah! Look, what I'm trying to say is, you if somebody comes up... To physicist. They just say physicist like everyone else for you. Well, I... If they come to me table... And they bring something to the table other than their skin color, their genitalia, or the color of their hair. I don't care. But if they come to me, like he's saying over here, I am Ziffia, he says, okay, oh, whatever. What I'm trying to say is, I'd rather have somebody come to me table, you know, like Kazakhan over here. I don't care if he uh, shops for fish or hot dogs or both. He brings a certain sense of uh, newbiness and energy to me table. He brings it. And I'm like, oh, a pot of gold. He brings it to the table, and I like that. But if you come to me table, they say, oh, you need more LGBTQ, BBQ, WTF representation. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I don't know about you, but I prefer that I'm the only solid snake at my table. <sighs> We're already getting into pots. Well, of course. What we like to pontificate. <laughs> pontificate. Uh, you, Very... see, you see what I did there? I did. I see, did. we're not all canned beef, hash, and cabbage. <laughs> I think the subject of diversity is a rather interesting one to bring up about gatekeeping. Gatekeeping is not. I think that the better thing is to preserve. He's like back in the normal voice. Yes or no? I'm trying it's to maintain here, but it's not easy. <laughs> uh, what happened to our vaguely Spanish dragon? Vaguely Spanish? Is that what you thought it was? Central European accent. And some would say it is the transatlantic. But it is a thing when you come to play games with people. You could bust out the board games, the betrayal at House on the Hill, uh, 
sorrow of the seas, any of these things, and you invite new people to play, you must be willing to accept them. But if they are being, how you say, assholes, overpowering. If they are, I hate to say it, but... They like to be overpowering while they're trying to be empowering at the same time, and it really fucks up the group dynamic. Definitely when they are trying to play some sort of power game, if you will. You know, they, if they are trying to be the center of attention all the time, yes, they are the new person. But you must be willing to work with them on this. That is how we expand. We need to, in order to maintain the new people coming into the game system, or into the groups, or just to hang out with us. We need to maintain that there is certain protocol we go through. This would be simply as we do not uh, oh, I grab guess someone else's dice. Yes. I, I think in the, uh, the the accent you're trying for me is when somebody comes to your table and they try to uh, usurp things. You know, they want to be the new alpha dog based on the diversity quota. What you need to do is tell them, let me show you its features. And you show them the fucking door. <laughs> but there is, there is more than that. It is when you bring someone and you're like, alright, we are going to play this game, it is going to be fun, say we sit down and play magic. Yes, you play Mono Blues the Artifacts, and you play Stompy Stompy Creatures, and you play Goblins, Snakes. Goblins and Snakes. And then you have the new person, and they come in with a very hard control deck. You say, hold on, my friend. We are sitting here to play the casual magics. We are here to build the big armies and then have big fights in the end. But they are coming there with, no, I wish to control everyone else's turns and sit here and masturbate for over half an hour while still taking the first turn. That oh. is bullshit. That is when you need to say, okay, hey, uh, I'm sorry, but you need so to let's say, Isn't that part of the merchant skills? Isn't that the way they operate? <laughs> Lolly lulelo, I can't talk about that. <laughs> so, right also, there. I think I need to hook you up with a person who taught me how to do accents. <laughs> and which one of us? All of you. If it wasn't me, for fuck's sake, I can barely do any accents. I can't even talk in normal English. I only know two languages, English and bad English, and I'm not too good at the first one. <laughs> I'm trying to do a hybrid between my two German voices. And there's Wilhelm, he is very serious. And yeah, then there is Hans, he is very light and fluffy. <laughs> they both sound Bavarian to me. One just sounds like an angry Bavarian. I'm just all over the Is goddamn place. Is there any place. difference? I'm having trouble trying to maintain here. And if any of our listeners, uh, you're still listening, the reason we're doing this is, well... Because we're bored. All Hallow's Eve is right around the corner. And, you know, it's fun to put on a costume, but we can't do it in the podcast. And we're not really good at YouTubes. <laughs> <laughs> we might get down, but it, it will take a while. We're not how you say, good on camera. Well, that is definitely one of the things is, we are trying to put this part, but there's also a thing of, say you're playing the D&D, and you have the more role-playing, R-O-L-E, and you are doing the voices, and the mannerisms, and you have to specify when you are out of character, but you have someone who comes in new, and they are doing the power gaming. And that can be very disrupting to your dynamic and it is one of the things that we've had this before when we had our original group before the podcast we definitely had our power gamers and we had our despians and 
there are many things that we learned from that entire two years of gaming is that you have to try and take things as they come and trying to find the balance but we have done much better now and definitely trying to impart on the new people such as Ivas the good role-playing mannerisms for a group or even the rolling of dice we need to understand that there are certain boundaries that you do not cross and when you have a new person instead of gatekeeping them no just leave sometimes it is okay in order to tell them so they need to respect certain boundaries and definitely setting these out to them whether they have just committed an offense or if they have simply just stepped in to let them know the rules you never take another man's do another, never touch another man's dice and never ever flip the goddamn table yes and all of these are very useful things especially if you bring them to the table at the beginning if you let the person know at the start that they are that these are the expectations these are the rules you do not break and if you do break them then you will be leaving the table and this is a no argument well a part of preservation anyway is you know you usually are a stable group and you have a set of rules <coughs> in your group and when you decide to start gatekeeping well the part of the problem with that is if the way that they want to do things now is you just have somebody walk up to your table and be like oh vagina we got to let them in you have to do it. There's no real... Well, as part of the gatekeeping, you just open the fucking gate. That's problem. Now, what... <clears throat> German... Doris Blasphemous is trying to say? Once you can just call me Doris. Or, okay, Dark Water over here is trying to say... <laughs> is that when it comes to gatekeeping, especially with us old schoolers, is we'll do like a trial period. We'll be like, alright, you got three weeks to impress us, or two weeks, or you get to know them first. You get to know the person and their personality. And then now they're saying, well, you just go let him in because it's a dude wearing a dress. And it doesn't really work out for the group. Because now, the person who's the alpha dog of the group, usually the game master who's running everything, or the poor guy who's, you know, he's got a really good job. And so he sits there and he goes, okay, I'll buy food for everybody, or to buy the game books, or he makes all the printouts. You've got that one guy who's kind of got the, the center of the power balance and then the center of the power balance has to step aside and let somebody just walk right in oh willy-nilly doesn't matter why just because they've got some sort of victim points and the gatekeeping community right now just wants to let anybody walk into a game like they deserve it like just because they bought a book now that they're a role player that's not the way it should work personality comes before what's in your pants or not in your pants and you know the, the big point about this is or the size of your ego Oh, oh, especially the size of your eagle. I've got a great eagle. There's a U-Haul parked outside with mine in it right now. <laughs> oh yeah, that big twenty-footer. Oh yeah, nice. Um, however, oh, I lad, it is. <laughs> See, the there's big... an Irishman doing a Scots accent. <laughs> the big thing about game groups, especially for long-standing D and D or role-play games, is that the best way is to make sure that a player is not going to uh, trying to think of how to say how to phrase this fuck it's, things up yes you, you don't want the player to fuck things up like uh, goblin has mentioned a trial period hey you've got three weeks if you cannot give us if you cannot maintain yourself in a manner that is conducive with this group 
you will not be allowed to play with us again. And that is that is it. And even before the victim hunt came along, we had a guy. He came into our game group, and he says, "Oh, I want to be in your game group." And everybody's like, "Okay, fine, sure." And the weird part was, is he turned out to be this kind of guy who thought whatever you were playing, RLE playing, right? He thought this was an indicator of who you are, really. Off away from the table. So if you're playing an evil character, he thought you were an evil person. Which is completely another bullshit. What am I looking at here? I didn't want to interrupt the podcast, but I thought it'd be funny. Oh, oh well, sure. You know what? I'll let you guys take this for a moment. The moniker needs a hand with something. And I'm going to go dip into me bottle of gold and give him something shiny. Thank you, Leprechaun. Huh, you got it. Gargle me Blarney Stones later on. Oh, you're not Colonel Volgan. Hey, before I leave the microphone for a few minutes to, you know, go take care of a few things, I might as well just tell a joke right now. Because, you know, you know, if you can't have a sense of humor around the game table, then what's the fucking point, right? So, why is it the Scotsman wears kilts? Why? Because a sheep can hear a zipper a mile away. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, part of this is also bringing up things like trying new things, being on the other side of the gate. You should try new things, and try new things in gaming, especially games that look interesting. But the way that I choose to go about it myself is I will talk to people, tell, ask them what's the gameplay like, what's the rules, you know, can I watch for a little bit so that I can get a handle on the game before I try to jump in. You know, I'd rather walk in and know at least something of what I'm doing more than walk in, disrupt your table, and be an arsehole. That's just rude. So, how you present yourself to be, you know, questioned for admittance into these situations is also worth bringing into the factor. And it's worth doing with a little bit of authenticity is the same way you make friends is you try to get to know them you try to get to know what they're after what their what their goals are especially with gaming so you can try to fit in without overpowering them because doing so is a social faux pas it's one that we're very fond of taking people down for well, you know, as long as you don't lit any filthy pikeys at your table, you're doing pretty fine. You know, the reason I brought up the whole gatekeeping thing in the first place was from my own personal experience. Well, you're a part of, you're a fan of something for so many years. And you're comfortable with who you talk to about it. And, uh, you know, you just know that you know your community, the game, whatever it may be. And then along come the new people, and they're telling you you're all wrong for enjoying it the way you've been enjoying it. You like tailgate parties? You there's a team here, you guys. How you you have here in Washington? You call them the the, the Z-Cocks, right? And everybody like you know you got a few diehard fans of them, and they all like to play it. They, even though I don't understand American football, it's stupid because they're you know the ball is not foot. But anyway, the point is is you know they made the um. You're nationals over here in the states, really? and they got really big and they got good, and then suddenly they got fans everywhere, all over the place. And tailgate parties at that time, I tell you what, they had a lot of people, but they sucked more 
because the true fans of the game weren't actually the ones at the tailgating. They were there at first, sure, and gaming is a lot the same way. You got the true gamers who are sitting there rolling dice, and then you got all these people who decide, oh, it's popular right now, and then they jump in, and the game well, starts what do you to mean suck. The bandwagon folk. That's exactly what you're talking about. The, the folks who just jump on the bandwagon because it's the bandwagon and it's a rolling bite. Exactly. You know, it's like on uh, you guys have this holiday here in America, St. Paddy's Day. And you know what it is in Ireland? It's Tuesday. But on St. Paddy's Day here in America, it doesn't matter. Everybody's Irish on that day. It's like a bandwagon. It's like, oh, we get a free day to do some drinking. That's fucking lame. Well, the preamble of it being a Catholic holiday thrown out the door. Like everything about it. That's it's also just, you know, make a point that Americans like excuses to drink. You know, see, just as much and, as and you guys also have this other holiday here. And I'm sure um, the alter ego to uh, Darth Blasphemous here is also in agreement with it. That Cinco de Mayo here in America is a holiday. You know what it is in Mexico? It's also Tuesday. Well, one of the big things about it is there is this misunderstanding that it is a Mexican independence day. And it isn't really. It is more about the major victory over the... <clears throat> I believe it was the French. But there, there was a great battle and it was a turning point in one of the many revolutions to happen in Mexico. And there it is celebrated by people who it, it happened in their region and many other things but as americans do as as we always have is we take things and we make them our own i'm sorry snake can't complete a mission without his trusty extra tar Oh, it looks like Snake's back on his mission. Ah, uh, now I can see where the laser lights are. <laughs> That's a really sad way to get your laser lights. It fucking works, mate. Uh, no, it works, sure. But you should see it when I hear when I break out the laser, and it's uh, after we've been like smoking all afternoon. It's like it's on the light show. It's oh, great. You, can get that, you can do that just as well in walk-in freezers. <laughs> Don't question my methods. I just. Uh, smuggle these in through my stomach. Tararty! Huh? Fun. <laughs> but as I was saying, there are, there are many things with gaming where the gatekeeping sometimes is necessary. There are people who are adverse to the environment of the gaming. People who wish to make it all about them. They can be tolerated if they can be mitigated. But there are many instances where Simply people who sometimes have even been part of the community for a long time finally have to be let go. And that is where the gatekeeping truly comes in handy. Is where you have someone who is making the gaming experience a drag for everyone. And they can't help but destroy and anything else that is built up by the other players. Alright, I see where you're going with this. We used to have a player at one of my game groups. He was uh, always the alpha dog, if you want to call him that. He always had to be the one leading, always in charge and shit. But every new game, he always played the exact same character, and it was always the same thing. After 10 years of this shit, everybody just walked away from him because they were tired of him trying to be, you know, big leader man. Big leader man with the biggest, strongest stick, basically. Hey, he tried. Mm, but he tried. Most people could see it right through it because it was mostly a mental power play. I mean, he really had nothing to back up, you know, the fact that he was all super tough and badass and things. 
He was just a guy who would whine and complain until people did what he said, and then he would threaten them if they didn't, and everybody just got tired of it. So yeah, as far as gatekeeping goes, the group broke up and most of them, you know, went out to, to their own direction. It's uh, pretty much how Foxhound happened. An outer haven. Power place. Well, you gotta gatekeep every once in a while, because there are people you got, you know, at the take game table, and they've been there quite some time, you know, and I'm probably one of these bastards myself. You know, you just gotta be like, look, dude, go the fuck away! Piss yeah. off! You know, I just wanna say that when I got into 40k, a lot of people in the game right now, they don't like everyone coming in with 8th edition. And I can respect that to the people who've been there the longest. So, it's hard not to get caught up in, you know, if there's new rules or models or whatever, what have you. Because it's ruining it for those that made it good, the hobby, what it is in the first place. And I don't want to contribute to that as a new player. Well, it's not just that, it's also the fact that when you're uh, more of an established player, you've been into it for a few years, you're along, you're in good with the guys who've been doing it for a while, and you all got this kind of like silent agreement for the most part. You're all having fun. You're having a good time. You're all invested in the lore. And then one day, for no reason, a new person shows up. And then they tell you the way things are. You know, I don't exactly. I don't want exactly somebody coming into my house and telling me that I gotta rearrange my fridge, even though I've been having it arranged the way I got it for the years on end. Only to have some fucktard walk in and be like, oh your fridge isn't diverse enough. Or your fridge doesn't have enough representation. I'm like, fuck you, it's my fridge. Exactly. When I try and get into a new hobby, whether it be a, a video game franchise or maybe even a new faction, new card table game, whatever, I try and be as humble as I can. Because I know that I'm the new guy and their seniority to a degree. Now, that doesn't quite give you such an expertise or lack thereof that you can let people... Um, trample over you. So if you're older, if you're trying to experience a new game and the people are being belligerent or assholes or various and other sundry manners and unpleasant and they are not making a fun experience for you, they're not giving you a fair shake, they're not making it a fun time to play the game, that they are likely to ruin a game for you as well as their own personal image in for you. And that's it is perfectly alright for a new player to challenge the elders of a game if their social behavior is not in construct with said game or with the fun experience. And that should be kept in mind as well. Well, I totally hear you there. I can't do this accent, or not, I can't do this voice anymore, I, I can't think of Ah, oh, okay, we got, we've got one down, and the other one is kind of halfway there. Yeah. What are we trying, well, uh, what, you know what you're trying to get at there. Kudos to you guy, but, um... No, 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 Jesus fucking Christ, mate. My apologies. Fuck. But definitely has what the fuck is wrong with you? Everything. You know, I told you not to bump the fucking table. You fucking sheep shagger. 
you well, know, it is definitely a thing when you you need to bring in the new blood. Yes. Yeah. So a way to do that is when you are taking in the FNGs or some from a different group, you simply take them under your wing, and as we have stated, you give them the trial period. Once you allow them to uh -oh. do what they need to do, the German is talking, and we hear planes overhead. Shit's about to get real. <laughs> like it always does. Well, I like new people at the table, and it's part of the reason why I invited you back in the day. And this is why I, why I invited Moniker to this stuff. Is you always need that new person, because they always have that non-linear thinking. They're always more creative than the people who are set in their ways. You got the guys who are tried and true in the rules, and then you bring a new person in. And they're like, they say the craziest shit. And you know, it catches the GM off guard, like, Oh, I'm gonna stab at the ground. And you'd be like, alright, stab at the ground. And then they ask, can I, um, can I get a bonus since the ground is prone? You get crazy shit like that with new players, and I love it, because they're so fucking creative. And there was the one time when we were playing the vampire campaign, and we had the demon, and you had laid out the salt for us to use, but that didn't end up working well. So I ended up shooting out the, uh, the water lines in the ceiling, and making the holy water, and using that to try and beat back the demon. I thought that was rather creative at the time. You know, it, I, I, it was rather creative. At I the just time. want to say, you know, I'm not against you know new blood at all because I mean it, it, exactly like what you guys are saying. You know, if you don't get that you know refreshing new players, you know it's going to stagnate, and you don't want that. But I, I see what happens in a lot of communities is that people just will not be discerning. You know, they want to be so accepting, and that's fine. But you know, if you give an inch, people are going to want to take a mile. Look, I'm not all the um. I know I, I rag on it a lot about diversity and tolerance, and you know, in the, in the game group and all that stuff. And there's no problems with it. Well, it's, it's the reasoning behind it. Yeah. And it's the reasoning behind the people you allow at your table. Tolerance is great, no, but you have to draw a fucking line. Yeah. Otherwise, you, you go too far. And for me, that that it's not just you know even like a forced you know the very artificial inclusion stuff. I'm talking about people who you know even maybe do share my same ideas. You know, like socially or whatever and they're just so headstrong about their own bad ideas you know and you know people will kind of will sometimes gravitate towards that and they'll get a lot of you know uh, accidental support yeah support and clout when really it's just you know it's a bad idea because in the long run it's just going to kind of ruin the hobby for everyone else and that is the reason that we have the freedom of speech in this country when we are allowed to bring any of these ideas good or bad into the foreground and the bad ideas always die in the light of day yeah. when you put things and look at them through a logical facts-based scenario you you find that they are more easily destroyed. That is why we call them the snowflakes. Because once they hit any adverse conditions, they melt away. That is why every time someone puts forth these bad ideas about, you know, certain racial groups needing extra representation and the need for people of different sexual or mental orientations needing the extra leg up, I don't really care about the person if that is all that they base their life around. I care about the person themselves. You know, they're, they're exactly. That's a great uh, quote, actually. Um, I want to attribute it to Spock, even though I know it wasn't him to come up with it first. It's the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And if you've already got a game group of five players and you need a sixth, what comes first? The five players who are already at your table 
or the one person who wants to be there. And if you cause one person and they come in on a diversity ticket and they sit down and they could just cause nothing but disruptions, why should you have them at the table in the first place? Yeah. They, you've got five other people you are already, you know, familiar with who already are enjoying the game and they're not bringing drama to the table. If they're not bringing drama and they're having a good time, then it looks like the sixth person isn't going to be fitting in your group very often. Why have them there? Yeah. And, you know, this, this, this harkens back to the idea that the dungeon master or GM or whatever they're called for that game system I think I'm losing the accent is responsible for all of the players enjoyment just as much as all of the players are so it is a full cooperation environment to tell a story and if the, the player or the character does not mesh with the group in such a way that it causes disruption then it needs to be solved either diplomatically, or if that fails, with expulsion. Well, you know, when you get a game going and you got somebody who throws up at the table and they say, Okay, we can't do this. It triggers me timbers. Well, that's kind of a pain in the ass because now you're telling the entire group that they've got to do something that they cannot do, that they've used to do all the time, because one person says, I don't like it. And if they come in and they haven't even earned any respect yet, if they haven't earned respect, and they just say, Hey, it triggered us me timbers. You know what? In this game no more. We can't have anybody talking about Dark Elves as Inkies because that's racist. Well, you know what? You're playing Dungeons & Dragons. It's based off of a game in medieval settings. And people were a little bit, you know, racist back then. Quite a bit more crass. A little bit more crass even, yeah. So when you get somebody coming in and you're like, Oh, you can't call Dark Elves Inkies because that's racist and it triggers me. And they haven't even said anything beyond that. Haven't even made a character yet. Haven't even tried out your group. Why have them there? They're bringing drama. And you like know, a lot of the time, most player characters are not as inherently robust with their racism as maybe the NPCs are, which is something that DM can easily modulate. It's only one person adjusting things rather than the entire group. Oh, my main villains are never racist. They're equal opportunity world destroyers. See? And it's it's all a matter of perspective with that. Either it's... you're on me side or you're not. I'm a giant fucking dragon! <laughs> Fuck you! And that is something I've brought into mind games as the... the moniker will know. And I had this portion of mind game here where they had to deal with goblins. And the goblins had bad reputations in the area, especially brought on by the halflings, who adamantly blamed everything on the goblins. And so then I made it a moral... A dilemma, I believe the word. And not dilemma, and, and All choice. I can say is, uh, hashtag, not all goblins! <laughs> and yeah, but they had to make the choice whether to believe people who are actually racist, as I made it a commentary on the judging of people well without making it too preachy. And the main thing there is whenever we are having the game and there is any sort of racing you bring in, in story-wise, you need to make it so that the players have the option to either believe or disbelieve these things. And once they found out and actually talked to the goblins, they found out that the goblins were innocent. So they went and turned on the people who actually were racist, but they did not find that I was being too preachy with everything. And that is a major part of the gameplay itself. Yeah, and it's not like... You know, oh, he's going to be talking from across the room now. 
Where the microphone's barely picking them up. You know, and it's not like, especially everyone at your table needed the, you know, don't judge people. But <laughs> when you look online, I think there's some people who really do need that. Well, the strange thing about gaming, and I mentioned this in uh, previous podcasts, is that there's nothing more diverse than a game table. Like I've mentioned, you know, we've had all gauge groups. I've played with kids underneath their teenage years, 11, 12 years old, sitting right next to them, giving them tips on how to play their character better. I've also sitting at the same table as people who have retired. I've sitting with men. I've sitting with women. I've sitting with people who are um, questionable. You, you don't know what they're uh, packing underneath if they are or not. But it doesn't matter. We were all there for the love of the game. And the love of the game came first, not people's identities. We didn't care. We've had games where people were foreigners. They'd come over, they'd sit down, they'd play a game with us. We didn't give a fuck if they had a British accent or not. They were there for the love of the game. And I think that's the most important thing. And that's one thing that we're all forgetting nowadays. And our push and drive to, you know, open the gates really wide for anybody to walk into gaming. Is that we no longer just do it for the love of the game. We're doing it for the love of virtue signaling. Which is the wrong reason in my book. It's more for just straight saving face, you know. Prepare the virtue signal. The superhero nobody ever asked for. Nor wanted. Nor wanted. Mm. And I bet uh, Darth Blossom is here. He's kind of feeling regret. Guess what regret going on there? He's the one who said we should do this podcast episode in silly voices. Well, I know I would be able to at least maintain a voice, whether I modulated or not. But the main thing there on the point you're making is you definitely have this new culture in, in at least the West where we want to not only open the gates for everyone which the gates have been open for a very long time. They've already been open. They've always been open. The problem is they're wanting to force people into the gate or force you to go out and bring people through the gate whether they want to or not. And that authoritarianism is what we have fought many wars over in real life and in the game. Think about it. You have the villain. They wish to rule the world, yes? Or they wish to destroy it. The whole point of the game is to stop them. That is what we are trying to put across in many of our ways, is to have the ability to understand that there is diversity. Think about most game groups. You have the person who plays a gnome. They play the gnome. They play elves. They play humans and they play many of these different races and classes and all of this and you cannot and cultures. have and the culture. culture thing is more to the individual players there are many people play elves they are high elves they are wood elves they are river elves all of this it is all variant on the character's background well that is left up to the player unless you're playing a game in which the gm is doing the background writing for the people as we have done with the goblins game before where he laid out several backgrounds for our characters and whether or not we stuck to those was at our peril but that is where the culture thing comes into what the player wishes to bring across the main part is the player gets to choose what they want to play sometimes yes you need to have the healer and the dps and and uh, the tank you need some of the range and that is where we have the issue of the individual person decides what they wish to bring as a character. And if you are playing a game that is already preset and like the, um, the, the board games, right, where you, you have pre-made characters and you choose who gets to play that. That is where people still have the choice. But now they are wanting us to remove this choice 
and make it so that everyone has to play. To make it so that we have to do these things. When the most strong things come about naturally. This, this is true as well with the uh, classes. Your four classic classes bring something different to the table, each of them. And don't forget, if you're listening, what the four basic classes of role-playing are, alright? It's dairy, meat, sugar, and vegetables. <laughs> and there are no fruit in this game. Oh, fruit. <laughs> By the foot. <laughs> it would fall under sugar. But that, they are the main things you need. You need the tank, which is usually a fighter, and barbarian, and... Paladin, and... Certain clerics. Certain druids. And I'd have to say, of all the things, never scream medic at the cleric. They don't like it. I don't know why. That's what they are. It's a terribly rude thing to do, and it just makes them feel like they only have the one job, and it's typically not the case. Well, they pretty much do. And that is one aspect you need in the game, is definitely the fighter and the healer. But the healer can be multiple people. Remember, we have had many times where we have had two, three, or sometimes four people who have to play the role of part-time healer. Because in many games there are instances where you don't have the access to potions. There are many times that you need the range because you are trying to fight someone across a chasm and top of uh, running carts and many many ways that you need to diversify within the group but it does not have to be a forced diversity. Yes, and the big part of this is if you want to play a group that's all fighters, do it. You want to play a group that's all bards, do it. You want to play a group that's all warlocks packed into different patrons and not knowing? You could probably do that. Except you don't want to play a group that's all monks. Have you ever read the funny poster on that one? It's hilarious. What was it? For the monks, one noodle shop? <laughs> I, ever, never made I, it out of have, noodle shop. I remember that one. I have that a picture of that stream on my phone. It is hilarious. <laughs> and I think... Uh, uh, you got uh, me. You got uh, me there, mate. And as you see, what? we will begin taking over all of the accents. You're, yeah. <laughs> you got me there for a moment there, mate. Oh, shit. Anyway, I think we've pretty much established right now that uh, there needs to be a modicum of control for whoever's doing the gatekeeping. But they can't just be like, shut the gates, nor can they just be straight up, open the gates. They have to be more selective. They have to think about things first, logically and rationally. I think that's the whole point of the gatekeeping role, is to switch up and control the flow of access. Well, I think what we've established here is a little bit of too much on either side, whether it's gatekeeping or preservation is too much. I mean, it's nice to be able to preserve everything that's going on, but you have to need an influx of new blood to come to your table to keep things fresh. But if you bring on too much of an influx of new people, or they're not the right new people, it screws up the whole preservation factor. And there, there is also this thing of when you have a playgroup, and one person do the real life aggro, as we say, or it is any of the other things that makes them need to leave the group, even for a time or permanently. We need to know that the person we are looking for to fill said slot cannot be the exact same type of person. Sometimes <laughs> we have to let in the newbie and let them find their place. You just said fill the slot? My mother's a slot. You can fill her. <laughs> I'm not into dead people. She's not dead, but she looks like a fucking orbit. <laughs> But either way, it is definitely things where the, ca- the gatekeeping is meant to filter in new people. 
and sometimes it is oh you, you do not mesh with this group but I couldn't recommend another group I know from a, a GM I talked to on, on the online IRL but you can say maybe you should try playing with them so it does not have to be a simple they are out I am blocking them from all gaming that can never truly happen but definitely when we do that the gatekeeping is meant to filter in the people who need to come in to bring in the new blood when you have groups that break apart or sometimes you have to move away when you try to start a new group then you are the gatekeeper and you have to choose people you wish to game with and the other thing about this is Bosswellis has brought up a very good point the gatekeeper is the filter and the filter's job is not to let everything through or to let nothing through but to choose what passes through the whole point of filters. To distill it into a fine gaming liquor. Aye, yeah, that could work. Ah! Liquors. You know, as my father would say, and it's fun that I keep going back to this, but yes, I'm going to bring up something my father said that you brought up liquor, and I'm doing an Irish accent, so poorly I might add. But my old man, he told me one time when I was first getting started, you know, get interested in girls and all that. And he says, son, candy is dandy. But liquor is quicker. True wisdom for me, father. I'm not making this shit up. <laughs> Give him some of that funky cold Medina. So that is definitely a thing of with the gaming is you need to let the things percolate. You need to let your gamers get to know each other and see how things go for a while. So there's always a trial period. When you start the new game, once it doesn't work out and you have to cancel the whole game because half and maybe just one of the players are not jiving with all of the rest that is when you have to stop reassess the situation and decide which point you are going to stay on and I've had games that have fallen apart simply because scheduling or the playgroup altogether did not work we had the Fatimus, he was in a playgroup I think it is better when he is running one of his games and not a player in another because he has so much of the, the knowledge and the other things that he wishes to play a character who has none of these things. And that can sometimes be detrimental to the group. But it's also like, you know, as I've heard of it before, um, it's a culture. You know, different people have different cultures and all that. And you know, just as a kind of a military thing, imagine a group that's got four Navy guys and one Marine at the same table. How do you, well do you think that'll work out long term? Sure, they've all served together and stuff, but once the Navy boys start cracking jokes, you're gonna have one pissed off Marine at the table. Or, you know, you get a group of a bunch of people who are all, let's say, um, Vegalers. They're all a bunch of men who like to shop for hot dogs, if you know what I mean. And then you get this one guy, he likes to have hot dogs on the side, but he also likes fish too. And what's the, uh, the words that they like to call them? Fence sitters. I don't think they'd appreciate it very well, you know, when all the hot dog gobblers start calling the fence sitter. You know, a fin sitter. Or it's cute. Or it's gonna start bringing out some bad, you know, jujus. So some groups aren't gonna work together, and even if the people are the same color or the same gender, you still got culture of their backgrounds to work with. So when you're gatekeeping or you're preserving, sometimes you gotta figure, will this person fit my group? Not based on, you know, what is obvious about them, but, you know, their personality, their background, where they come from. And another thing is that some players, even, you know, especially the New Blood, they can be the stars of the show. They can earn that place on their own, and they can do it in a way that shocks everyone sure. without 
feeling like it's a power grab. And it can be done. It's, it's some of the most rewarding things to see as a DM, is to see the new player come up with something inane or wacky or uncommon that none of your players would think of. And they bring that new energy that is irreplaceable. Oh, we've had one game like that. We were playing Rifts back in, oh, shit, it was the late 90s. And we got this guy, he's playing a cyborg, and we're a bunch of gang members, and he decides, you know what? Fuck punching my way through the wall. Or, well, not the, not the wall, the door. The door was reinforced, you know, like one of these big vault doors, and, you know, the guy we're after is on the other side. And, of course, we don't have got a safe cracker. So we're trying to figure out how to get through the door. And the new guy says, fuck it. What's the wall made of? The GM looks at his notes and he says it's made of drywall. Next thing we know, we got a uh, fucking cyborg, six and a half feet tall, made of steel, just burst through the wall, and he's like, oh yeah? He like fucking Kool-Aid mans that shit. <laughs> New player. He decides, Kool-Aid man. We just took 30 minutes of fucking with the door down to 30 seconds because he decided, fuck the door. There must be an easier way. <laughs> there you go. And it tasted a lot like cherries. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> that is definitely the fun part of being new. Like when I was new, or when Zemonica was new to the game, the idea they have to, uh, between you and the seasoned player who is Schaefer, and the two of you had the blind face throws, along with our friend the Jiggles, and <clears throat> Jig Jiggles in a German accent is very fun to hear. Jiggles, yes, the Jiggles. Isn't it Jiggles? Jiggles. Und Jiggles. Und Jiggles! <laughs> Complete but, with matching Jiggles of his own flesh. Indeed. <laughs> but there, there was a thing of the three of you, you being the new player, and the Jiggles being the moderate player who's played mainly the power fantasy, and then the seasoned player who's done all kinds of manner of things. The three of you did more playing and got more done in one session than the whole rest of the group for the prior two weeks. That is the thing that I enjoy at the table when we have someone who is new. And that is one thing I wish to cultivate in my next group and the group after that, and I hope to bring to another group when I am invited to one. But that is the thing is, we must learn the preservation of the peace and... Careful now, we have a German talk about preser preserving things. <laughs> and the jellies and the germs are to be separated! <laughs> <laughs> but when we do the preserving, it has to be of the peace and of the dynamics of the group. One cheese would be a rather. <laughs> I want to take this chunk of the podcast out of context. <laughs> Dude, don't. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, stop I'm... kicking the fucking table. Sorry. Jesus, fuck me, Christ, in the fucking eyeball. How many fucking times do I have to fucking tell you this shit? Fuck, I'm about to go off on a rant about you kicking the fucking table. Stay tuned next week. Fucking give you a dressing down, motherfucker. But anyway, results is when you are trying to keep a certain mixture in the group of people, and it doesn't matter what color they are and what they decide to do in the bedroom with or without people, the things they are into, the things they are not into, all that should matter is that when you get together to play, you have fun. And I don't care if you are this most seasoned player, played with the original, you met the Gygax and had the fun, 
or if you are brand new and you just bought your first set of dice before a game. The important thing is that you come together to have fun with people, not to make it a hostile environment due to someone else's race and their orientation and whatever the hell they want to dress up as or call themselves or do within the confines of their own home. If you can have fun, I do not care who you are. You yeah. can have fun. Can, can I... Do you mind if I put what you just said kind of in a bit of a nutshell? Um, you know, be optimistic, be welcoming, be discerning. I, these are important things. And the, the part of it is that, you know, with that discerning, you have to also be able to judge if you know of another group, if your group is not the right fit for a new player. Be ready to have that second option or third option for them to jump into before they decide to give up on hobby. And it's it's it is a matter of helping them have fun while not trampling on your other players. You're not obligated to if anybody shows up at your table, you are not obligated as a GM, you're not obligated as a player to just invite them right in. You're not obligated to give them respect even if they aren't deserving of it or if they haven't earned it from your group. You give them the token respect you'd give to anybody else, you know, because that's what I would like to get sometimes as a little bit of respect. Maybe it doesn't always happen, but at the same time, you give, you get. Yeah. And you're not obligated just because somebody walks up to the table that you're supposed to show them a fun time or let them be a part of the hobby. You know... You, I, I don't see why some people say, oh, if somebody walks up to your table and they got a character sheet, you gotta let them in. Because, you know what? When I apply for a fucking job, they don't let just anybody in. They let the person with the qualities that they wanted the workplace in. They don't just let me walk in and go, oh, I want to do this because I'm fascinated by it. They're like, what are your skills? And I'm like, uh, victim points. It doesn't work in real life. It shouldn't work at the game table. It's a very valid point. This is exactly the fact is... You know, the victim card only works to be an asshole or to play up control. And it doesn't work in any other situation. You know what? I think I've said all I said about this. And you made me break character once, you asshole, for bumping the table. You fucking piece of shit. My apologies. And I am the victor! I have won the voice contest! He has won the voice contest, yes! <laughs> well, Fuck you! I think Star of Blast was just. Really, or uh, Wilhelm, excuse me, just really wanted to do a podcast with a German accent. Well, originally I was going to do mine Scotsman, because they are all a bunch of southern pansies. I was tempted on doing Marvin the Martian, but doing an hour of that would just fucking destroy me. But the main I can't thing even here. do it right now. Oh, fuck. Oh, my golf ball. Oh, I was an Irish myself. But seeing as you already told that, I think it would be a little redundant if there are two Irishmen at this table. But he's something more like a drunken Irishman. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. You're, wait, you're wait. a fucking gypsy lover, aren't you? Wait, what is the difference again? Why should I be the my visitor, Ryan? Don't be insulting me like that, boy. <laughs> well, I'll be talking to you like this all the time. You fucking Protestant. Get your shit out of here. This is my neighborhood. Catholicism for the win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mother Mary Joseph. Oh, the irony that's happening right here. I know. Uh, all right, uh, I think I said all I can about yeah. this. Uh, yeah. Blasphemous, you won the voice-off thing. Just damn. Yeah. I, um... Uh, so, I, I just... 
I wanted to whip out Arlie Emery there for a moment. Somebody decided to bump the table with his knee. And I wanted to just be like, God damn it. One time. If I wanted to see a uh, lesson in disappointment, you, sir, have just raised the bar to a new level. God damn. Fucking gosh. Again, apologies. And, uh, you know, if you're one of our listeners and you actually made it to this point in the podcast, give yourselves a little pat on the back. I know, right? Congratulations. You made it through you this. You are project. a true fan. You know, if I get an angry letter from Ireland telling me that my accent sucks balls, I deserve it. <laughs> yeah. It would be I, an interesting just to get a letter yeah. at all. I know it would be interesting to get a letter at all, but I'm if one of our people from across the pond that listens to this podcast was like, your Irish accent is shit, I'll, I'll fucking own it. Yeah, I'll fucking own it. None of us are accomplished voice actors, so it's all fair if our accents are garbage, rubbish, or whatever manner of other derogatory term you wish. Although I would like to do the German accent for a little while because I could talk about these new magical items I am working on. Let me show you the items. Magical items. Let me show you their features. Because there was a, there was a few times there you were kind of channeling a little bit of York. Well, he was the most recent person I've listened to with his German accent. Yeah, he's awesome. Oh yes. Uh, so that's pretty much our thoughts on the whole gatekeeping versus preservation, and I'm, my final thoughts on the whole subject. And we pretty much covered this already eloquently enough multiple times. Is you have to have the filter on, not full blast, but don't turn it off. You know, just take everything with gut instinct. You know, keep yeah. in mind your players, keep in mind your group, keep in mind the players, and if they fit in your game, there's always room to take a chance. And if they don't, keep on walking, because as many different kinds of players out there, or different dice colors there are, or different fucking game scenarios, there's always different choices of who you can have sit at your table. Some of them will fit, some of them won't. Yeah. You and know, this, it's this crap also shoot. goes through this um, other games besides your role-playing games, your tabletop games. Other games have this same mentality, is that you can show a game to a new person and they might or might not like it, but if you show that game to a new person with a group of particularly aggressive players, they're not likely to have a good time with it. It's also being mindful of who you are bringing to the table for them to play with if you are trying to bring new blood in. Game Goblin signing out. Goodbye. Uh, gosh, I don't have any good final words. So, in that case, the moniker and Snake signing out. Kazakhan, pick to the skies. What I would like to say as Das Blasphemies, I really hope that you all have fun with your games and remember, do not be afraid to take in the new people. Want to give them the guidance that you were given or would have liked to be given. Antwina Sain. I hate new people at my table.
see how you do it when the motherfucking bass drops.